0: We are going to take a bit of a turn in this series, and this is this is interesting to me. And if I didn't tell you this, you probably would never even actually notice. Um, but usually, like I'll lay out a series because we've done four. This is the fifth week of this series, um, and normally it'll be four, maybe five weeks, and then we'll end it and move on to a new series. And I'll lay out what we're doing and. You know, we'll just work through it and get to the end and be done with it. Well, so as I was kind of working through and getting close to the end, I was planning on originally wrapping up today, I realized over, you know, doing stuff over the last few weeks and kind of looking back over it and preparing for this, I realized, like, oh, man, there's a whole thing I need to do. And so so this series is not going to be twice as long, <laughs> as it originally was planned. Now, I know some of you absolutely love coming to church and talking about family. Um, It's your favorite thing, Um, you know, followed by coming to church and talking about money and coming to church and talking about, well, I don't know what else, but I know family is a tough deal, and so I kind of hit a few things the last couple weeks, and then as I was kind of preparing for today, I'm like, oh man, I stumbled on something, And when I stumbled on it, I'm like, "Mm, we've got to make a turn and go this way. So it may seem a little disjointed at first from what we've been talking about, but give me a chance, ride me out to the end, and then decide how you feel on it then. Um, How many of you have heard the phrase, honor your father and mother? Um, How many of you as children hated that phrase? Can I get a... Right, right, right. How many of you experienced times where that phrase was used um, in a negative or destructive manner? Yeah, Um, yeah, we've had that. And the thing is, is that I imagine in our life, like, you don't even have to be a religious person to be familiar with that phrase. Like there are some phrases that are in the Bible and originated in Scripture that everybody uses, regardless of whether they 're religious or not they 're just known like one you know honor your father and mother that 's universal everybody knows it um, you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free everybody knows that most people don 't know Jesus said it, but everybody knows that and there's certain phrases like that throughout the Bible, and that's one of them. And I imagine that in our lives, probably definitely in the past as we were younger, but maybe even many of us um, as we are adults, um, we found ways around it, right? That honor your father and mother phrase, right? Because we're like, well, hmm, Andy, let me tell you about my father and my mother, to which I'd be like, oh, well, yeah, yeah, I see why you don't honor them. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty bad. Well, they don't honor me, and so why should I honor them? Or, well, what does it even actually mean to honor? And we just kind of find ways around things. Well, in, in today's passage that we're going to look at, we, we bump into some guys who had found their way around this specific command um, And Jesus' response is something in which we find a principle that works with what, you know, he was addressing with them, but also is a larger principle that goes beyond it, which is where we're going to kind of spend the next couple of weeks as we work our way through it. Um, And this principle can revolutionize relationships within your family if you let it. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 15. Um, And Jesus and his disciples are being chased around by the Pharisees because the Pharisees' whole goal is to find something that Jesus says or does um, that disqualifies him as being the son of God that he claimed To be Right. And so they're trying to see something. They say, well, if you are actually the son of God, like you claim to be, you wouldn't go there. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't be with them. You wouldn't touch them. You wouldn't eat that. You would. And they would be like, no, you've disqualified yourself. You can't be. And in this particular occasion, they think that they come up with something, but as they come up with it, they're really scraping the bottom of the barrel for things that can be violated, that would be a disqualification of Jesus being the son of God. And so what happens is, is they catch the disciples, not Jesus, the disciples doing something that you have caught your kid doing a thousand times, if you've had any children. And some of you are like, oh no, <laughs> I'm afraid to hear what his disciples were doing. Yeah, they try and make a thing out of it. Here's what happens. Then some Pharisees and teachers of law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. (gasps) I can imagine Jesus was like, oh, you got me. Yeah. I'm not the son of God. You're right. They didn't wash their hands. Game over. Good job, guys. You know, let me congratulate you on your victory. Right? What in the world were they talking about? Coming to Jesus and making an issue about his disciples not washing their hands. Here's what, here's what they were doing. After God gave the Old Testament law, so after he had um, dictated, these are all the laws that you've got to follow. These are the things that you have to do to be following me. Um, Some of the Old Testament leaders decided, well, we wanna make sure that we don't break the law. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna create this extra set of rules to keep people from even getting close to breaking the law. And so they wrote this whole nother set as if all of the 600 laws weren't enough laws. They wrote a whole nother set of rules to keep people from even getting close to the laws. In other words, it was like, if I were to say, well, I don't want you, it is gonna be against the law for you to come up on this stage and touch this drum set. And then we're like, well, we don't want people to break that law, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna build a fence about 10 feet out that way, and we're gonna make a rule you can't cross the fence. Right, this is basically the idea of what they were doing. If we keep them far enough away from the actual law, an actual law, will never be broken. And listen, we, we do this with our families all the time. We have things that's like, yeah, there are some things that would be really bad and would be damaging the family and would hurt us, but you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna set up extra things that keep you far away from it. Yeah, we want, you know, we want our kids to you know, behave themselves growing up. So we're gonna make an extra rule about what they can, can and can't wear. We don't want anything to even get close, right? We do this all the time. And by the time Jesus comes on the scene, like in theory, that's not a bad idea, but by the time Jesus comes on the scene, this extra set of rules that was outside of what God actually dictated, this extra set of rules had kind of become um, equal in the eyes of the Jewish people to the actual law itself the weight that they both carried were the same. And and people would get just as upset if they saw somebody breaking one of these man-made rules as if they were breaking an actual law of God. There was no differentiation between the two. For example, there was a law that was from God that said, do not do commerce on the Sabbath. And so man's like, well, we wanna make sure we don't break it. So we're gonna add an extra law. Do not touch money on a Sabbath. Because if you never even touch money, then there's no way you're gonna do commerce. And eventually the touch money carried just as much weight as the actually doing or not doing commerce. Well, one of the laws that the priests had, um, had was to, one of the laws from God was to, they had to wash their hands before they ate. And priests had to maintain a state of um, uh, cleanliness, ri- ritualistic cleanliness, so in case... Um, in case they were to need to do anything priestly, they would need to be in a state of cleanliness. So there's this law. Before you do that, make sure you wash, do this, this, and this. Well, they thought, well, okay, well, the priests have to do that. That's law, and so we're gonna make an extra rule. Everybody's gotta do it. Because what if a priest had already washed his hands, and then some unclean person comes and touches the priest? Well, we can't have that right before the meal. So everybody do it. That way, there's no risk of breaking it. Well, over time, this rule had taken on, like all the other rules, law status, right? Which gets us to where we are in this accusation because the Pharisees have come to him. They said, how can you be from God if you break and not the law, but the tradition of the elders? The disciples hadn't broken a law, just one of these traditions, and so Jesus takes the opportunity to kind of call them out on their um, breaking. They're breaking an actual law to uphold a tradition. Because see, they were accusing like, oh, you broke a tradition. Oh, that's just as bad. And Jesus is like, oh, yeah, that's bad. Well, here's what you guys are doing. You're breaking an actual law so that you can keep a tradition. And they're like, wait, 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 what? Yeah, Jesus replied. And why do you break the command of God for the sake of? of your tradition. And this just kind of stops them cold because they're like, what is he talking about? What do you mean? And they were probably really confused. And so Jesus explains. <clears throat> he goes on, he says, for God said, honor your father and mother. And anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, read that tradition Man rules what you've made up, what you've elevated. You say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, God, then they are not to honor their father or mother with it. here's Here's what happened. They had the same thing that every generation of people throughout all of history has had. They had aging parents. And unlike a lot of what we've got in our culture when we've got um, Medicare and things like that to help Social Security, to help as parents age and do those kinds of things, there weren't any of those kinds of systems back then. The system for supporting aging parents was the children. The children took care of the parents when they got old. It was just full cycle. Well, they didn't really like that. They didn't really like giving money to their parents as their parents got old. They wanted to do what they wanted to do with their money. So here's what they did. They went to the book of Numbers, right? And you know that they were really into it going to the book of Numbers because most of you can't even read the book of Numbers. Not because it's difficult and above your understanding, because it's so boring. What did the pastor just say in the Bible was boring? Yeah, Numbers is because it's just a book full of Numbers, yeah. If you wanna spend a good 45 minutes hearing how tall walls are, how wide gates are, how, I mean, you knock yourself out. So they go to the book of Numbers, right? And here's what they do. They find this verse, this command in the book of Numbers. If you make an oath to God, you have to keep it. And so they pull this kind of obscure verse out and they're like, okay, we can use this. And they created an oath. And they called it the Oath of Corbin, if you wanna look it up. And basically in this oath, what they did was they devoted everything that they had to God. And this was like, not just a, you know in your house and be like, God, I just dedicate everything I have to you. I thank you, you use it. No, 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 it wasn't like that. Like this was like a public ceremony. Like the town would gather at their place. And they would go around to everything. Lord, I dedicate these cows to you, they are now yours. Lord, I dedicate these sheep and these goats to you. I dedicate these clothes, I dedicate whatever. And they went through everything they owned. Said, God, I dedicate these things to you. So then when the parents got old and they came and said, hey, we need some support. The response was, Oh, mom and dad, I'd love to support you. But all of this isn't mine. I've dedicated it to God. Everything I own. Now here's how that worked. Once they dedicated their stuff to God, they didn't like haul it all down to the tabernacle and turn it all in for God to use however he wanted. No, 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 no. They kept control of it. They kept possession of it. And they used it the same way they would use it, but it was there in case God ever needed it. This was the loophole that they developed. Now, it gets even a little worse than that. Because once they started doing that, the people who like had a lot and were kind of doing that and pictures, themselves, they went around and they started pressuring everybody else, all of the common folk. They started pressuring everybody else. Well, we've dedicated everything we have to God. You need to dedicate everything you have to God. And so everybody in town was taking this oath, taking the, dedicating everything to God. Well, Pharisees saw an opening. They're like, huh, everything in town is dedicated to God. Guess who we speak for? And so the Pharisees would show up. Hey, God needs your stuff. And would take their stuff. And they were enriching themselves by this this rule, this tradition that they had created. And in the process were undermining or directly violating an actual law of God. Predictably, Jesus was not pleased. Here's what he says. He says, that you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. And cannot that be said about so much of the church today. And it's easy to look at this passage and think, oh man, what scumbags those guys are creating this loophole to leave their parents out on their own and not support their parents and then to use it to take people's stuff to enrich themselves. But as I spent time on this passage this week, I realized that I am guilty of exactly what it was that Jesus was accusing the Pharisees of. And if we're honest with ourselves, most of us in this room are guilty of the exact same thing. Of nullifying or ignoring the commands of God to uphold tradition. To uphold tradition. Perhaps traditions handed down throughout generations of our families. In fact, I'm willing to guess that many of the things in your home, if we were to put up, you know, those cameras they put up in reality shows and they just tape everything for a while and then, you know, they go through and edit it weird, but we wouldn't edit it weird. We would just give an honest look at everything that happened in your house. I I, I bet if we were to examine it, you know, the way that you treat your husband, the way that you treat your wife, the way you treat or raise your kids, I'm willing to go out on a limb and say all of those things are way more shaped by your parents and your upbringing than they're shaped by scripture. See, every Sunday we gather and we sing the songs and Isaac's really good at the songs. And when we're singing them, like they're great words. And we like, we mean the words as much as we can when we're singing them. And it's and It's great, and you know, and we worship and we hear from the scriptures, and at the end, like I encourage you, like, go and you know, you know, do this, be better for God. And you're like, yeah, I really want to do that. And we're sincere about it and everything, and I want to honor God with my life, and we mean it. But if we were to examine the way that our households operate, the way our relationships operate, the way the things that we say, the things that we do. Um, our consistency, our attitude, our tones of voice, all of these things, if we were to evaluate it, we would probably find that the expectations in our households are far more defined by tradition than they are from Scripture. And, and this is what, you know, and when I say that, here's what I mean. i like the tradition, like ideas like that at the beginning. Here's what a wife should be and what a husband should be. And we've got these ideas and and. And we get these ideas just from society and tradition and here's how things are and here's how we react to certain situations. Here's how we handle these types of situations. Here's how we react to stress. Here's how we, all of these things are far more driven. And sometimes we nullify unknowingly at times, but we nullify the teachings of the scripture by upholding the traditions that we have within our families, Now listen, here's a true statement. All of you were raised in some kind of home. You can fill in whatever some kind is. And all of you had modeled for you some kind of expectation and conduct. It's different for all of us probably. But all of these things, this home that you were raised in, these examples that you grew up under carry into our adult life. And as much as we hate it, and as much as we want to fight against this this um, gravitational flow that seems to pull us into acting just like our parents, right? And if you think about it, isn't that true? Like, aren't, aren't aren't there times that like you know you're doing things and you're just like, oh my gosh, this is my dad, this is my mom. And some of you might think like, oh, who? Luckily, I don't do that. Oh yeah, ask your spouse do it in a very secure moment. <laughs> but ask your spouse how much you act like your parents, right? And that's the thing that so many of us just hate to hear. Like, oh, that was just like your dad. That was just like your mom. I mean, unless it's like in a positive way, but somehow that's never used in a positive manner, is it? That's, that's more of a negative thing and we grow up with certain behaviors and certain expectations and without deciding to we begin to recreate those relational dynamics within our households and it's so strong and many times it overrides our convictions and our values and what god tells us we should do through the scriptures and the reason that we're going to talk about the reason that we're going to talk about some of these family traditions over the next few weeks is this is that they are so strong that if you don't identify them and actively work against them, they will continue to override your convictions and your values in scripture. Now, that's a huge idea. And I could probably just stop right here for today and say a prayer and send you on your way and be like, dwell on that. And some of you are like, sounds good, let's do that. (laughs) Sorry, I got three pages left. Uh, but here's the thing. We can all probably think of examples of this in our own life. Things that our family and our history dictates within us, right? Things we do that, that are the tradition of man, that if we look at it, we're all saying, yeah, that's, that's how we do it, but yeah, that's not how scripture tells us to do it. You know, and I've watched this play out, uh, you know, in newly married couples. I've done quite a few weddings, and for most of the weddings, before I perform the weddings, I'll have a couple meetings with the people and you know, talk about expectations and how's, how's the household going around? Have you thought of this? Have you thought of that? And we have discussions. And it's like, it's amazing to me how in those conversations, for the most part, like they are just like, yeah, yeah, these are our expectations. Yeah, we're on the same page. Yeah, 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 this is how it's gonna be, yeah. <laughs> One year later, Oh, <laughs> uh, it's almost as if they thought I was kidding. Like that it was just like, oh, that andy he's funny saying those things about, you know, what we're going to have to encounter and work on in marriage. Oh, you know, uh, that's a good thing, right? But a year later, man, the expectations, the plans that were so wonderful, all of a the sudden, <laughs> they seem to be so far away. And many times, not even in the realm of possibilities. And many times it's because they had these ideas, these values that they set, the things that they wanted to have in their family, but then they brought in their past family into their current family. And those traditions and that upbringing, even if they hated them, make their way into the current relationship. And those things... If they are not actively defined and worked against, will overpower the best-laid plans and intentions. You know, did they not mean it in those meetings when they said these are what we're valued? No, of course they meant it. Of course, it's what they wanted to value. Well, did they change their values? No, they didn't change their values. Well, did they decide God wasn't worth following? No, they didn't decide that. Well, what happened? It's the power of tradition, especially when you're not aware of it. It's the power of undealt traditions. And what Jesus said that day to the Pharisees is just so powerful for our lives. Essentially, he could have looked at us and said, you nullify the word of God for the sake of tradition. And when it comes to marriage and family relationships, the scriptural mandate is this, and and we talked about this a few weeks ago. The scriptural mandate is unconditional love. That is everybody in the family saying, I put you first. Your thing before my things. That's the teaching of scripture. Tradition is I put me first, right? And many of us grew up watching our parents model me first. I take care of my, my thing first. My needs are met first. I worry about what I have to do first. And then whatever's left over then goes to you. So many of us saw that modeled. Growing up. Now you don't believe that's the way it should be. Right? We sit and have a conversation. And you're like, well, yeah, of course. Everybody should put everyone else first. Let's elevate everyone. I don't want to be selfish, right? I, I mean, when you got married, you didn't get together with the person you're going to marry and be like, hey, just so we're on the same page when we go into this, you know, it's me first. You know, just so we're clear, I'm gonna satisfy my needs, my desires, you know, what I want first. And then you can have your thing. Nobody, nobody has that conversation headed into a marriage. But yet that's how so many of us operate. And I'll, you know, I'll be completely honest and transparent. I don't ever pretend to be something I'm not. This is my largest struggle with my family and with my marriage is that tradition and that tendency with inside of me to be me first. Think about myself. And then I'm like, oh yeah, the rest of the family. It is, I struggle. And where did that come from? Not scripture. I'm not following scripture when I do that. Tradition of man. And the scriptural mandate for our family relationships is mutual respect. That's not what tradition is in families. Tradition in families, which is what most of us grew up with, is I'll respect you as much as I think you deserve to be respected, right? I, 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 will, I will watch your behavior and I will then decide how to treat you. That's tradition. And in some cases, this, this is how you were treated growing up. Some of you, this is how you saw your father treat your mother. Growing up, some of you, this is how you saw your mom treat your dad and you never consciously made the decision to treat your new family like that. Because I'm in, if you'd you'd have made that conscious decision and declared it, like most of your spouses probably would have been like, "Mm -mm, I'm out of here at the beginning. They wouldn't have signed up for that. And on paper, our values are right and your intentions are right. But yet when it all plays out, that tradition, undealt with, is so powerful that it overrides it all. Now, here's another reason I want to talk about this for a couple of weeks. <clears throat> is that no matter how much I as a pastor, we as a church, um, teach things to children whatever they're starting to learn back in children's ministry and the things we're trying to get them to understand and think about, you know, no matter how much time and effort we spend in that, it carries no power and influence when compared to your home. It just, it just doesn't. And we, we as parents, or if possible future parents, we should... We should be concerned about this idea of these negative traditions, not just for our own health and our own sake, but for the sake of our children and what we're passing on to them. Because if we don't pay attention to it, we'll try and teach the right way. But that's not going to hold any power against the weight of the traditions. And I know this because I went through so many great teachings But yet the strength of tradition is it overpowers, overpowers it all. And so you got to ask yourself these questions. And we have to ask ourselves these questions as a church. When it comes to children and what we're passing on, where are your children going to learn to honor and respect others? We can do some lessons. We can talk about it once a week. But where are they going to learn that? Are they going to learn that from Scripture in the church, or are they going to learn that from your home? Where, where are your children gonna learn what a healthy marriage looks like? Are they gonna learn it from scripture? Are they gonna see what your marriage in your home looks like? Where are your children gonna learn how to react to difficult situations and stressful situations? Where are your children gonna look and learn how to respond when things in life don't go your way? From the scriptures or how you react to those types of things? Where are your children gonna learn to be generous and forgiving? Where are they gonna learn to approach discipline in the right manner? Where are they gonna learn to deal with anger in the right way? Where are they gonna learn to live according to values from scripture or from watching you? And history tells me it's from watching you. That's where we're gonna do it. And so Jesus was right. If we were to look at our families, many times we nullify the law of God for the sake of what has been handed down to us. So what do you do? What's the answer? Where do you go from here? Well, there's nothing to be done. We're all doomed. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, but the answer isn't simple. It's processes. I can't give you three steps that you check off a list and everything's fixed as we walk out of here. This is why we're gonna have to spend a few weeks even discussing this. But this morning, here's one thing you can do. Go back to the, to, the, to the very simple verse that we started with. Honor your father and your mother. If you wanna know what the atmosphere of your family is supposed to feel like, if you wanna know what it's supposed to feel like when you're all in the car together or when you're all sitting around the dinner table, or when you're all at home hanging out together, this is the target. Everyone should feel honored and respected. That's the target for the atmosphere of your home. And if it's anything less than that, the greatest thing you could possibly do is recognize your role that you played, put up your hands and say, oh, I messed it up. I'm sorry. I did, I did the wrong thing. I had the wrong reaction. I have, con- I have created the wrong environment here. And, it, and if you can do that, that opens up a window. Let me tell you why I did that. Let me tell you the traditions that I'm fighting against, the things that I've experienced. If you can do that, man, it will begin to change the relationships in your family in a way that you could not possibly imagine. And not just for your sake, but for the sake of your children. For when they one day have a family of their own. Now, the flip side of this is that some of you may be like, well, you know, what? I've got a great marriage and my, you know. It's going really well, and I've created quite the little honoring and uh, respecting environment within my family. And you think you're awesome, and you should write a book, maybe give some seminars. And... But I'm willing to bet that if we looked at it, and that's your situation, and you have a great, you know, it's all going just right. I'm willing to bet that your parents or someone in the chain before them did the work of breaking the traditions that were handed down in the family. But for most of us, we have work to do in breaking their traditions. You know, in this week, your prayer should be, God, show me. Show me where I'm honoring tradition over your word. Show me where I'm falling short with my family. Allow me to see the traditions behind those behaviors so that I can begin to dismantle them. And you know, and if you're, if you're single adult and not close to family time and you think well you know this doesn't really seem to be real applicable to me at the moment you're in good shape because you can take care of a lot of this stuff before you get into it. (laughs) Those of us who are already way into it we've got some damage control to do. You can get it right heading in so good on you. But while many of us are going to be trying to undo so many of the things we've done it'll be worth it as you break the traditions that have been so damaging that are handed down from generation to generation. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the powerful way in which you are alive through the scriptures. Lord, the way that you can take just what seems like a a simple passage I have read time and time and time again and be able to make something just jump out of the page and grab a hold and not let go. Lord, I pray that, that as this is kind of the beginning of looking at some of the traditions that we have and what to do about them over the next several weeks, Lord, I pray that you begin this week to make us aware of the areas in which we are nullifying the scriptures and your law because of traditions that we may not even be aware we are upholding. As we do these things, Lord, let there be a check in our spirit and make us aware so that we can begin to break these traditions. Lord, I thank you for your mercy and for your grace. In your name, amen. Thank you so much for being out. Look forward to next week as we continue talking about being behind family lines.